You are listening to Falcons Audible Podcast presented by AT&T. I am Matt Tabeek, joined by today William McFadden making his Falcons Audible debut on day two of Falcons training camp. Will, so glad to have you. What's up, Matt? Glad to be here. Thanks right. for, uh, for having me on. Excited to do this with you. Yeah, so we're going to get, we have a little bit of news about the podcast. We'll get into that later. Um, Will, let's just jump right into training camp. Uh, we're into day two here, and uh, um, we need to uh, give an assessment where this team is at, but uh, um, let's get into the top storylines, the things that you're watching as a beat writer out there. Um, and, you know, we'll go through your, your top five storylines and I'll jump in and, and kind of give you mine. But uh, right now, as this team heads into 2019, coming off a 7-9 finish, what are the top storylines uh, heading into camp and the 2019 season? Yeah, Matt. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but uh, football is back here out on the practice fields. The uh, team wrapped up their second day of camp today. Um, so there's a lot to look for, really, uh, this year. Really some exciting storylines. We'll jump right in. Uh, number five on my list yep. is the, uh, the tight end group, which may, I don't think a lot of people are talking about this. No. Um, obviously, Dirk Cutter's history with tight ends. We know what he can do. There's a lot of guys here. So that's, that's something that I'm personally just curious to see how that all pans out. Number four on my list is uh, the running back situation. Obviously, Devontae Freeman is back and healthy, but... The loss of Tevin Coleman is one of the biggest losses that they have this past offseason. I think that's fair to say. And so just seeing how it sorts out behind him, I'm curious to see how that unfolds. Number three on my list, the second-year players stepping up. What kind of role do they have going into year two? And second on my list are the, of course, guys coming back off of injury. Keanu New, Ricardo Allen already out there. Deion Jones and Julio Jones have been working off to the side, but they're going to get back out there soon. So just how do those guys look? Number one, I'm, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but I would be surprised if this was not number one on your list as well, the offensive line battle. It seems like this is number one every single year, but with two first-round draft picks on the right side of the offensive line, it's got to be number one on the list. So, Matt, what are your, uh, what are your five? Yeah, I, I agree with you on three of those, um, but those are all great storylines, and it's, there's really not one that's really more important than the other except the offensive line. The rebuilt offensive line is by far the one thing that, uh, you know, with everything that they went through last season, the changes they made, um, with the free agents they brought in, um, their first two draft picks were first-rounders on the offensive line. They had to fix it. They weren't protecting Matt Ryan last year. He was sacked 42 times. They were inconsistent running the football last year. Um, without question, the offensive line is the top storyline heading into camp. Um, I'll go the opposite order uh, since we, we, we started with the O-line being number one. For me, I agree with you on the comeback stories. Ricardo Allen, Keanu Neal, both safeties, as we all know, uh, you know, lost to season-ending injuries last year. Their comeback stories, how they... You ease back into the lineup. That's going to be a big storyline. They're so such, important to yeah, this defense. It's such a huge boost for this defense. Staying on the defense, I think another huge storyline for this team is going to be Dan Quinn taking over the defense. 
Um, very, as, very smart by you. Good yeah, point. Yeah, I, you know, with the three coaching changes right at the end of the season, the three coordinators uh, parting ways with them, DQ taking over the defense. To me, that's going to be a story that's going to be talked about, watched, picked apart, um, especially early on with this team. Uh, we can get into some of these in depth a little bit more and just his influence on guys like Tack McKinley and Vic yes. Beasley. Um, that's I, one I'd like to come back to. Yeah, and I agree with you on the run game. I think Devontae Freeman's return is huge for this team. I wrote a column. You have a story coming out uh, today yep. on the impact uh, of Devontae Freeman in this offense. I mean, come on. The, the guy's like 1,500 yards waiting to happen if he can stay on the field. Yeah? Absolutely. And uh, to me, now here's, here's, here's another story that it's, you talk about the tight ends. The one story that is not getting a lot of run right now is the kicker. Giorgio Tavecchio filling Matt Bryant's shoes. Now, Giorgio has been perfect in the few appearances he's made with this team, but Matt Bryant is, is the franchise-leading, all-time leading scorer. And, you know, we just kind of just, I don't know, I'm not saying we took for granted Matt Bryant, but... I think that's safe to say. I, I think that he was so consistently yes. excellent for so long that... I think people understand the importance of having a really good kicker, so taken for granted might be a little hyperbolic, but for sure that when Matt Bryant, I've never seen anything like it, a guy goes out for a 55-yard field goal and you just can get up, leave your seat, and go to the bathroom because money. you know it's it's good. So They call the money Matt for a reason. Spot on yeah. with Giorgio. He's, that's, he's in a tough spot. Giorgio's in a tough spot. He's been perfect on his field goal attempts and extra points attempts. But he's only appeared, I think, in three games. I wrote, I, I looked it up. I wrote it in today's straight from the beak. But I love Giorgio, and they think highly of him. I mean, think about it. They kept him on the roster. They didn't want him exposed. They thought that highly of him. Um, but I think that's a storyline that's bears worth watching. You know what I mean? And that is this week's kicker segment, folks. So. <laughs> um, I was kind of torn there. I wanted to talk to about the secondary and in, in, in Isaiah Oliver, mm -hmm. and I just think you know. And I was also torn about possibly throwing out there just the pressure that this coaching staff in, is under. You know, after finishing seven and nine, missing the playoffs, making all those coaching changes, DQ taking over. Uh, the defense, bringing in a guy like Bob Sutton, bringing in former head coaches Mike Malarkey to, mm -hmm. to coach the tight ends, and, and Dirk Cutter, who's the offensive coordinator. A lot of coaches wouldn't feel comfortable bringing in veteran coaches like that, especially after missing the playoffs and going 7-9, Will, but not DQ. That's that's a really interesting point that you that you make because 7-9, that's the first losing season Dan Quinn has had since he's been here. Four seasons. Went to the playoffs, back-to-back -back years, of course, had that Super Bowl run in 2016. Yeah. We've talked to him. I don't necessarily get the sense that the changes were made retro or uh, reactionarily mm. based on external pressure. I think there were proactive changes. I think that seeing the losing skid, and he talked about this a lot last year, you learn a lot during those times. Who, who's able to keep their head above water? Who's able to come in and help get things going in the right direction? And I think he sincerely looked back and reflected upon 
the team as it was last year and decided some changes were were needed and he's told us that and the bringing in of a lot of NFL experienced guys Bob Sutton Mike Malarkey Dirk Cutter I think that shows a lot of growth on, on Dan Quinn's part of being able to say I don't necessarily have all the answers but I want to learn from the guys that do what do, what do you think about that Matt yeah I totally I totally agree with you on that and I just think too that you know defense is Dan Quinn's calling card mm -hmm. and he has for lack of a better word and you see it all the time he's got a high standard when it comes to the defense and you know I was talking about this today with somebody and we had him on this podcast right after the season um, you know in his introductory press conference here he said his brand is you know he, he brought up three words fast physical and attack I just don't think he saw the product on the field and what he envisioned it were two different things. And I just think that it's so important to him that he just wanted to take the reins over. And I think he also said that day when I was talking to him that he wants to a nastier defense. He wants guys, and what that means is he wants guys that, yeah, are going to be fast, physical, and attack, but you know, when he was in Seattle 2013, 2014, they led the league. They were number one in several categories. Not only are you, do you have edgy guys, you have smart guys. And, and um, you have, a, it's in a, I think he wants to be more aggressive. I think he's going to, and feel free to jump in here, but I think he is, uh, we're going to see some wrinkles with this defense. He's going to find ways to find, to, to get guys on the field, guys like DeMonte KZ. Um, I think you're going to see, of course, a lot of teams are running a lot of nickel packages now, but I think you're going to see more of those kind of packages. I think you're going to see them uh, be more aggressive when, when it comes to blitzing. And I think he is going, he says it, and I believe him, I think he's going to get the best out of Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley. Mm -hmm. um, and that opens the door to kind of talk about the guy they signed today. But uh, that's what I think you're going to see from this defense in a nutshell. Um, and I think that's why it's going to be one of the top storylines this year. Before we get to Alan Bailey, who the Falcons agreed to terms with um, earlier today, it's a Tuesday. Um, I want to touch on your point about DeMonte Casey a little bit, because that is part of the reason why I'm, he's a third year guy, but last year really it was his first year in that role. And injuries obviously played a huge part of the storyline of last season, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But what that allowed some players to do was get very important reps and Casey's one of those guys led the league tied for the league lead with eight interceptions last year we wouldn't have necessarily known that Demonte Casey was capable of being this type of player without the injuries to Ricardo Allen and Keanu Neal and another guy there who stepped up was was Foye Aluakon who right. I'm going to write about later this week but he right. was maybe the biggest surprise last year. The sixth round pick at I agree. safety at Yale. I agree. Came in and I think had over 90 tackles as, as a rookie, which is incredible. And so those second year guys that got a lot of the reps last season because of those injuries, how Dan Quinn especially is able to use them and how he envisions using them could make the defense even better than what we saw in 2017 when a lot of the guys were healthy. Yeah, I, I want to switch gears and, and get off the defense and secretary, but I will say this. One other cool nugget uh, about DeMonte KZ. When Rico, Ricardo Allen, was hurt, 
Um, one of the first things that KZ did was go over and spend time with Ricardo. And Ricardo basically gave him the secret sauce and gave him, you know, a lot, helped him a lot with um, how he studies and, and prepares. And, 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 and I think that helped DeMonte quite a bit. Oh, without a doubt, those yeah. two guys are very close. Um, I want to, we, we spent a lot of time talking about the defense here, um, but let's go back, let's circle back to that offensive line and just talk specifically about um, four guys, Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry, and then the two free agents, Jermon Brown and James Carpenter. Early thoughts on those guys. Lindstrom definitely looks the part. What do you think? I'm not going to go ahead and say pencil him in as the starter, but pencil him Ooh. in as the starter. Yeah. Um, he has to my knowledge, taking every snap at right guard with the starters through the first two days of camp. Yep. And I say, I say that I feel that he, and this is no inside knowledge or anything like that, pure opinion, but watching Jamon Brown and James Carpenter over the first two days rotate at left guard. Mm -hmm. Now, Jamon Brown primarily has played right guard. He did so with the Rams Giants. and he did so with the Giants. James Carpenter has played left guard for pretty much his entire career. The fact that both of those guys are rotating together with the first team at left guard while Lindstrom is getting every rep at right guard either means that he needs every rep because he's a rookie. That certainly could be the case. But that can be true, and he could also be, let's get him every rep at right guard because that's where he's going to be day one. I think the latter. Um, and don't be surprised if Jermon Brown ends up winning. That position, that's just not based At on At left it. guard? Yes. Interesting. Okay. Um, that's just, again, not inside information, just my opinion. And I'll tell you what. I know he's been working primarily with the second team, but Matt Gano, is it Gano or Gano? Gano. I think it's Gano. Gano, don't, yeah. Don't quote me on that, but I love, I love me some Matt Gano. Oh, my gosh. Um, he pancaked a guy today. It was beautiful. I know. I, I'm telling you right now. It's two days in the camp, no pads, no one's hitting, but I can't wait to see him now that he's had, he has a year under his belt. Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see him in pads. So for those who don't know, Matt Gano was with the team last year. Great story. And he they kept him on the active roster, the 53-man active roster, and mm -hmm. just made him inactive for every game. That would not allow a team to come and sign a player off of the practice squad. If you're on the practice squad, a team can sign you to their active roster. So if you've got a guy who you like, you don't really necessarily want to take a chance with him on the practice squad. So that should should provide a little bit of information on how highly the team views Matt Gano. And I won't name names or anything like that, but I'll tell you this much. People inside the walls of the Falcons headquarters here in Flowery Branch, which is, by the way, now referred to as IBM Performance Field, they gush over. You mentioned his name, especially some of our scouts. They gush over the guy. Hmm. Um, so I'm just saying, I'm just throwing that name out there. When Rumor it has to, it, if you say Magano three times in the mirror, he'll appear behind you. <laughs> I'm not doing that. That's just creepy. Um, all right, let's switch gears here. Any other topics we want to jump into, though? Uh, Can I'd we like talk to... a little bit about Devante? Yes. Can I talk one second about McGarry? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love so, that guy. Yeah, fat, great, great dude. Um, he and I love talking about Skyrim. He's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, 
I he certainly has the physical presence of a of an NFL lineman. Nothing concerning from that standpoint at all. I think really if you look at what he did in college, they Washington. Or, yes, at Washington, he the coaching there from what I've read is it was a little bit more of an aggressive pass blocking uh, scheme that they they asked their tackles to run, which means you want your pass blocks to look similar to your run blocks. You're going to be the aggressor, initiate contact, and then kind of wall off the defensive end instead of your traditional drop back to a set point, catch the defensive end, mirror him, and, and kind of slow his rush. So I think that might be a little bit in the delay. Again, that's just speculation on my part. But once he looks comfortable with those pass sets, you'll probably see Tyson Bryo in there at right tackle and until then. But it wouldn't surprise me at all if McGarry – ends up cracking this lineup some point this season. Yeah, and it's we're two days in the camp and the pads haven't even come out and all very good points. And come on. The other thing here too is that Tyson Brello was a decent player. He was serviceable, you know, at a number of positions last year. He's a vet and he's earned that right to start off, you know, at right tackle. But it's gonna be a fight. And oh, there's for no sure. doubt about it. And um, you know that's that's what you want to see. So you want to talk about free? It's it's real early though with the offensive line, but For sure. that's, it's going to be fun. Freeman is a guy that Dan Quinn calls a multiplier um, because he brings so much energy, and the offense is just different when he's out there. I mean, if there, there's a few guys that you can point to that just have an energy about them. Um, and when Freeman's out there running around healthy, it's just the running backs have a, you know, it's just he just has that different gear. Um, the key for him, obviously, he's missed 16 games, Will, the last two years. He's got a certain type of running style that, you know, he's a physical guy. He can, he can make guys miss, but he'll also, you know, put his head down and hit you too. That's a perfect. That's a perfect point, and that's part of the reason why I think he's such an energetic part of this offense is because he does really relish that opportunity to finish a run imposing his will upon the defender. He's never one to finish a run going backwards. He wants to fall forwards at any given moment, and so I think you really feel that energy when he's got the ball in his hands, his legs are churning, he's lowering his shoulder, and he's trying to finish the run falling forward. So I, I think Dan Quinn is spot on when he talks about the energy that he brings. Yeah, um, I would encourage our listeners to go to AtlantaFalcons.com. You have a story coming out today on him. Um, I wrote a column about Freeman um, about a month ago, but I think he is the key to this offense in a lot of ways. I think he's that important. I love the depth at running back with Ito Smith and Kadri Allison and you know, Kenyon Barner's in the mix there, though he's going to be a special teams con contributor. Um, Brian Hill, don't overlook him. Uh, he looks a little slimmed down, and he looks quick. Um, who am I forgetting? Marcus Green, who's really a wide receiver. Uh, yeah, Mar Marcus Green's a receiver. Yeah, so I like the depth. They've needed three running backs the last two years, at least. Um, they're going to need three again this year, I think. But So one thing that was interesting that Dan Quinn said yesterday was you know, obviously, the, they had the one-two punch of Freeman and Coleman, For one of the best in the league. Three years, three yes. years right? So. And he said yesterday that he felt maybe the 
depth of this group is as strong as it's been since he's been here. I and also that. that they may look to use more specialized skill sets than they maybe did with Coleman. You know, it might not be Devontae getting 16 carries a game and Coleman getting 12 and then the third string guy getting two. It yeah. may be Devontae getting 16, one guy getting five, one guy getting six, and then one guy getting four. So they may really look to specialize more so than they have in the past at the running back. At least that's the sense that I got from Dan Quinn yesterday. Yeah, and you know, Kadri Allison also brings a different skill set and size. He's bigger to the backfield, and you know, Brian Hill's a bigger guy too. Slim down a little bit. Yeah, but I mean, he's like he's what six foot six one. He's tall. Yeah. yeah. So, one of the things that they couldn't do last year efficiently, consistently, was, you know, those third and short, fourth and short situations, short yardage situations. Um, Everybody that they brought in up front, offensive line, is big, is bigger. Yes. And still athletic. Um, Allison and Hill kind of, you know, I guess what I'm beating around the bush here trying to say is that they want to be able to move the pile this year. And yes. so. I got a stat for you on that, Matt. So last year in 2018, the Falcons ran the ball 26 yeah. times in a third or fourth. Yeah. And two or shorter yeah. situations. So yeah. basically one to two yards to gain, yeah. third and fourth down. Ran the ball 26 times. They got a first down on 15 of those carries, which yeah. is not good. under 58%. Not great, Bob. That is not great. They want to be better. In 2017, they were 74.2% yeah. on those. Obviously, Freeman was healthy for 14 games that season. So he's the better inside runner. I think that he'll make a difference in those scenarios. Oh, he definitely will. He's just got to stay on the field. Um, all right, let's just switch gears um, and talk about what we've seen. You know, I started off the, the this episode talking about training camp in the first two days, but um, let's get into it a little bit. Um, two days in, no pads, as we've mentioned four or five times now pads start tomorrow pads start tomorrow real quick what do you think are the biggest takeaways from the last couple of days mine's not a pleasant one um i mean number one overall has got to be that lindstrom's taken all of the starting reps he's, he's your, your highest pick they've shown a history of playing young guys so i think that's the biggest takeaway for me there okay. on uh, it's it's so hard. No pads have come on, but defensively, I've I've liked the number of turnovers they've been able to create. I think they've had at least a couple in each of the first two practices. I know Kendall Sheffield got one yesterday. Bleeding yeah. Ray Wilson got one today. Sherrod Neesman got one today. And Sheffield, he made such a nice break on the ball on, mm -hmm. on his pick. Yep, I definitely he's he's definitely super fast. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I like those guys uh, getting some turnovers defensively that would probably be my biggest standout outside of Lindstrom for sure my after two days is after day one I was like oh here we go yeah, again I figured this is where you were going the injuries I'm like are you kidding me I couldn't believe it and you know it's the first uh the first one was what JJ Wilcox yep safety Non-contact. Non-contact. And I couldn't tell what happened at first. Um, I thought it was his foot. It turns out it was his ACL. His ACL. 
And then Michael Bennett goes down on defense as well. Um, I didn't see that play, though. Uh, did you happen to watch it? I just saw the I didn't aftermath see, from it. I didn't see that play either. Reportedly a broken being, ankle. Yeah, reportedly broken ankle. Still DQ, hope that he yeah, could come back. Dan Quinn said today that there's a thought that or hope that he might be able to come back in 2019. Um, I didn't see him procedure. go down. Huh? May need a procedure yeah. on, on that ankle. But to my point, you know, it's like, hey, injuries are going to happen. Injuries are part of the game. It's a physical game. Um, it's a violent game. Guys are cutting. Guys are running and stopping and starting. I get it. But after what happened to this team last year with just being decimated, no one will ever use it as an excuse around here, but this team was hit hard with injuries last year. I mean, it's honestly a testament that they still finished 7-9. and nine. I mean, given the number of, of impactful players, it yeah. wasn't just... It wasn't just like key spots where they went down. You know, obviously, if you lose your quarterback, that's really tough. That didn't happen, but just the barrage of injuries to really, really core pieces of this team, that's just so hard to overcome. So today it rained, and I was just like, hey, no one got hurt today, so that's a good thing. Um, But, no, that was kind of, you know, my first thought after two days was the injuries was at the forefront of – my mind going into today um however the big news you know was them signing alan bailey you know 30 year old defensive tackle defensive slash defensive end who i think will primarily play inside um he's coming off his best year as a pro and i think he comes into a pretty nice rotation they've got inside now um, so Alan, Alan Bailey led the NFL with four fumble recoveries last year. Which is had a, a nice little stat. Had a career-high six sacks. Yeah. Um, obviously, Dan Quinn has said it over and over, wants to put an emphasis on creating turnovers. Bringing in a guy who led the NFL in fumble recoveries, not a bad place to start. Not to a bad your place point, to start. Alan Bailey, 6'3", 288, yep. has the size to play inside, as Dan Quinn said today. And what we know is that Coach Quinn does like to rotate his defensive linemen, both moving them outside and moving them inside. And yep. so he does that. He will fit right in with this defense. Yeah, I think it's a nice addition. And they are quietly putting together a nice little rotation. You know, when you look at Grady Jarrett, Jack Crawford, Deidre Sanat, Tyler Davison, Rashid Hageman, who's, you know, everyone's just kind of, you know. Waiting to see. Waiting to see. and But – Boy, if he can play up to his potential with his size, he, he brings in a, a, some nice size inside. Uh, Jack Crawford um, and now Bailey. Anybody else I've overlooked? Oh, John Kaminsky, the rookie, um, who Kelsey Conway, our writer, is going to have a story on today on AtlantaFalcons.com. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out, Will. Um, but to me, it's going to come down to those defensive ends and can they put pressure on the quarterback. But we'll have lots of time to talk about that as camp progresses. And you are listening to Falcons Audible podcast presented by AT&T. And, Will, let's just, let's just tell our listeners right now, this thing, this podcast, we're going to start rolling it out every single week. In fact, um, you know, we, we did it during the season on uh, 
was it Tuesday mornings? Is that right? I'm asking our producer here, uh, Austin Hiddle. He's nodding yes. Um, with DJ Shockley and Dave Archer, uh, we're still going to have that show on Tuesdays, but we're also going to have a post-game podcast, Will, which you are going to be a part of, show to be named. Woo! You got any, we any, did it. Any, any, uh, Thank you for everybody who believed in me. We've come a long way. Do you have any? Uh, we have. Do we have a name for it yet? We don't have any. Name. We don't. Send in your suggestions to Straight from the Beak. Where? Where should they send it? S- send them to Straight from the Beak. Tweet us. Tweet me at, at Will McFadden. Um, yeah. Give us. Give us your most creative names for a uh, post-game podcast coming to you this season on Falcons Audible. Um, and we're also going to have a. We hope a third podcast during the week. Um, where we talk to former players, coaches, media types. Um, but yeah, we're going really, we're going all out with uh, our podcast this year. Um, so, Will. What you got for me? I got one question for you. What is the number one objective for this team with heading into their first preseason game at this point? Is everybody listening? You guys listening closely? Yeah. Stay healthy. No doubt. That is all that matters. Stay healthy. Keep everybody healthy. Wrap them in bubble wrap. <laughs> Get them to game one against Minnesota. Let's do it. I'm here for it. Stay healthy, everybody. My goodness. And that's going to wrap up this episode. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. We're going to be putting this thing out every Tuesday. Um, and then, as I said, we got three coming during the season. And then Will's gonna be, Will and I are going to be doing a post-game podcast after every single game, playoff game, and hopefully conference championship and Super Bowl. Um, getting ahead of myself here, Whew. but we, we will be here. And Write then, it down. And There's a also, prediction. Hey, we're also going to keep this thing going through uh, free agency, the draft, the combine. So podcast is here to stay, folks. Thanks for listening.